Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like Good morning. Welcome to this December 27th, 2022 edition of Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is a recorded show. That will not surprise you. Um, We are taking a little time off from the regular rhythm of life as we celebrate this, um, this season with our Savior. So I hope that you have received the one whom God has sent wrapped in human flesh and lying in a manger. His name is Jesus, and he really is what Christmas is all about. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Matthew chapter 2, the first two verses. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, to be fair, when these guys saw this star rise um, at the birth of Jesus, They took note of it. They uh, studied the prophecies. They reminded one another uh, what Daniel had told them hundreds of years prior. They looked at what the prophets of old had said. And these are Gentiles from the East. And they're saying to themselves, you know what? It has finally happened. All of these things that were foretold so long ago have now come to pass. We must go and see for ourselves this one who has been born king of the Jews. And so they start off. Now, there are very likely hundreds of them. So this is a mass migration of very wealthy people um, in a camel caravan moving across the desert over thousands of miles. Uh, It would have looked to some like a military assault, except that they weren't coming Um, to conquer, they were coming to bow down. They were coming to present gifts. They were coming to honor the one whom they recognized over all time and over all of history and over every kingdom, a king had been born. Now that is something that Rome would have taken note of. That is something that would have been known um, before they arrived. And so when they arrive, they present themselves to King Herod assuming that he has already gone and bowed down to the one who has been born king of the Jews. But of course, Herod has done no such thing. But this is where Herod begins to see that this one born in Bethlehem is a threat. And ultimately, this results in the slaughter of the innocents, where Herod uh, sends his troops to go and kill every male child in Bethlehem under two years of age. And so where we say, oh, you know, these kings of Orient who arrive bearing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and they bow down uh, to, to worship the newborn king. And we think that's so lovely and wonderful. Well, because they went to Herod first, um, this actually results in the murder of an untold number of innocent children in the town of Bethlehem. 
Now, the baby Jesus or young Jesus, toddler Jesus, very likely by this point in time, because it took them a while to get their caravan up and running and move across the desert and follow the star all the way to Bethlehem uh, in order to uh, find the Holy Family. And so, you know, we're a couple of years into the story here by the time the Magi arrive and present their gifts. And it's at that point that um, Joseph has another dream. And in that dream, God says to Joseph, get up tonight, pack pack up your family and head to Egypt and don't come back until the regime has changed. Um, And it's in that window of time that uh, Jesus then lives in, in Egypt, which enables him to fulfill yet another prophecy of the Old Testament, which is that out of Egypt have I called my son. So these um, these magi bring gifts suitable for Jesus. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. They bring gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I guess I'm wondering, what gift do you bring Jesus this year? This isn't a little drummer boy question, although it could have been. But what gift do you bring Jesus this year? Do you have a wish list? Do you have like an Amazon wish list? What's on your wish list and what would be on Jesus's wish list? You want me to read it to you? Here you go. Here's Jesus's wish list for Christmas. You, your heart, your thoughts, your words, your deeds, your relationships, your vocation, your sin, your regrets, your guilt, your shame, your pain, your life, your past, your present, your future, your prayers, your time, your talent, your resources, your hopes, your dreams, your fears, your service and your sacrifice, your love, your devotion, your attention, your affection. You, just as you are. That's Jesus's wish list this Christmas. What gift do you bring? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen again today. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is a special edition of Mornings with Carmen during this Christmas week. We are unwrapping the gifts of God in Jesus Christ. So I'm hoping that you have received the good gift of God in Christ Jesus um, by believing in his name. With, um, with the gift of Christ come a list of gifts, too many to number. We tried to number a few of them yesterday morning, if you missed that conversation you can um, download the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you get your podcast. You should be subscribed to Mornings with Carmen. Be a great opportunity for you to um, go through the list again of things that we receive when we receive Christ. We are going to talk uh, a little bit today about the spiritual gifts, begin a conversation about the spiritual gifts that come with the gift of the Holy Spirit or by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of believers. But I want to start with um, this conversation about the spirit of the world versus the spirit of Christ, because you could be operating in either one um, and you can tell the difference, right? We can tell the difference between the spirit of the world, 
and the spirit of God um, and the spirit of Christ. Like we know the difference. We know when um, a person is operating out of one spirit or the other because we have a spiritual sensitivity to that. If you are a person possessed of the Holy Spirit, then you know um, that your spirit does not resonate with every other spirit. In fact, there are some times when we can really feel, like physically feel, that the spirit that I'm operating in is very, very different than the spirit um, that someone else is operating in. And so we're going to talk about operating in the opposite spirit. So are you operating out of a spirit of greed or generosity, a spirit of pride or a spirit of humility, a spirit of fear or a spirit of love and obedience? Do you operate out of a spirit of frustration or kindness, discouragement or hope, anger or joy and peace, bitterness or forgiveness, selfishness? Or servanthood. So for those who are in Christ Jesus, the the Holy Spirit comes upon us and into us and moves us by degrees, one degree of glory to another, from the spirit of the world actually to operating out of the spirit of Christ. So it's not as if, you know, you flip a light switch and you go from being a a person who views everything as lacking like right so that i got to i got to gather more i got to cling to i got to i got to clutch what is mine and get more and more because there's not going to be enough right so that that's operating out of a spirit of greed and that's the spirit of the world versus a spirit of generosity that understands that um everything belongs to god god is all sufficient his mercies are new every morning and god's never going to run out um, of blessings, and you are his child, and he wants to bless you. He wants to care for you. He wants to provide for you. Um, and if you experience material lack here in a, a particular stage of life, guess what? You'll have the secret of being content. That's what Paul talks about in Plenty and in One. I I know the secret of being content in all things because I have Christ. I'm possessed of the Spirit of Christ. I'm not operating out of the Spirit of the world. So which spirit are you operating in? That's that's really the beginning of this conversation about spiritual gifts. Because if the Holy Spirit is not dwelling within you, then we got to go back and have that conversation about believing in Jesus. And in believing in Jesus, we receive the good gift of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. That is the promise of God to those who believe. So let's talk a little bit about what um, what these spiritual gifts are and how they function in the lives of believers. First of all, the gifts are given um, to everyone, but they're given according to the will of God. And so you can't like say, oh, it's not like making a Christmas list or an Amazon wish list and being like, oh, well, uh, I, I want to be a prophet. So I'm going to ask God for the gift of prophecy. I mean, you could do that. But the reality is... <laughs> God gives the gifts according to his will. Um, he, he distributes them throughout the body in the way he sees fit. And so um, the gifts are given. First of all, we have these gift lists. If you want to look for lists of, of gifts, and I don't think these lists are exhaustive. I think they're illustrative. I think these illustrate the gifts that God distributes among members of the body. Um, but there are other gifts as well. But let's let's look at the ones that are enumerated for us in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. 
those are the chapters you'd want to look at uh, for a conversation about uh, the, the gifts that God gives by the power of his spirit. And why are they get, given? Well, in Romans 12, um, it's really clear. The context there is that the gifts are given to promote unity. The context of 1 Corinthians 12 is worship. And the context of Ephesians 4 um, is the leadership necessary for the body to function properly. So they're definitely given for the building up of the body, serving others, um, and leading others. They're not for promoting ourselves. And so I think that's really critical to understand at the very beginning. The gifts are given according to the will of God to the body of believers in order that we might function appropriately together in carrying out the work of Christ in the world today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. When we come back, we're going to start talking about some specific gifts that come with the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio. Sign up for the free Bible in a Year reading plan at MyFaithRadio.com and get everything you need to follow the plan each day and stay on track, including a printed schedule. Sign up now at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, again, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen during this Christmas week here on Faith Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. We're talking about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the big mega gift we receive when we receive what God sends to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so God has sent his son into the world that God might be glorified and that you and I might be reconciled in our relationship to God through Christ. And so the question is, have you received Jesus? Do you receive Jesus? Will you receive Jesus by believing in him? And if you do, then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, lots of things uh, come, wisdom, discernment, um, a special measure of grace, just all kinds of things come with the Holy Spirit. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. Um, But you also get to these spiritual gifts conversations. And God gives people possessed of his spirit his gifts his spiritual gifts. And so we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual gifts today and specifically um, the first few on the list. And there are a lot, and we're just going to cover a few today. All right. And we're going to cover more tomorrow and throughout this week. So I want to talk today about the gift of um, administration. And you say, well, that one doesn't sound very sexy. Well, it comes in 1 Corinthians verse or chapter 12, verse 28. And what is the core meaning of administration? And where might the gift of administration be used by God through you, empowered by the Holy Spirit? So as I talk about um, what this gift is, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, is this a gift that I possess? Um, And if so, show me how to use it effectively for building up the body of Christ and for extending um, God's grace to more and more people. So the core meaning of the spiritual gift of administration is to steer, to pilot, or to direct. It's the supernatural ability given by God to organize and guide. And so I want you to just ask yourself, like, right, do I have a knack for that? Do I have a knack for organizing, planning, developing strategies? Um, Do I like standardized methods and procedures for doing things? Um, Do I like managing things that are initiated by others? Do people often refer to me as efficient or effective? (laughs) Now, people refer to me as efficient or effective, but administration is definitely not one of my spiritual gifts. 
Um, if you were to see my desk right now or my house, you would say, oh, yeah, not not the spiritual gift of administration. And yet I'm quite quite proficient at administrative tasks, but it's definitely not my gifting. How do I know that? I find no joy in it. None. Zero. If it's your spiritual gift, trust me when I tell you, you're going to find joy in doing it. All right. So what's next? How about the gift of apostolic ministry? Here we would look in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and 29 and Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Um, people who uh, have the spiritual gift of apostolic ministry are set apart, sent out. They are ambassadors. Now, at some level, we all are all of these, or we all, at some measure, experience each of these. So uh, when I say that, oh, people with the spiritual gift of apostolic ministry are those who are set apart and sent out and ambassadors, that does not let you off the hook. Because you are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, regardless of of whether or not you have this specific gift of apostolic ministry, which is the supernatural ability given by God to pioneer, establish, or oversee new works for the advancement of God's kingdom. Now, I am a person who always sees uh, further out, beyond, above, over, and under uh, that which is currently a part of like kingdom ministry. Uh, I'm a blue sky thinker when it comes to what's possible and what's next and where God might be uh, going and where we might join him and how we might get aligned with what God's already doing out there uh, in frontiers, horizons, and vistas beyond where we're currently operating. But even that doesn't mean I possess this particular spiritual gift of apostolic ministry, but I can see it. People who have this gift are really good at, at bringing it into being. All right, how about those who possess the spiritual gift of craftsmanship? Here, um, I would actually encourage us to turn to the book of Exodus, um, where we see people who are making things as ministry. I want you to think about that for just a second. Um, The core meaning of craftsmanship is workmanship or ministry. And it's the ability that God gives um, for some to creatively form or build things that can be used for God's purposes. And maybe that's you. This is the, you know, this is people who are literally good with their hands. Um, And we need you. We need this kind of creative engineering mindset. So thank you so much for the people who have this particular gift. You might think here about the people who build or repair the temple. You might think about here people who build or repair the walls. You might think in Acts chapter 9 about Dorcas Uh, There's all kinds of examples in Scripture of people who possess this spiritual gift of craftsmanship. If it's something that's divinely given and it's used for the upbuilding of the body and it's used for the advancement of kingdom purposes, it's a spiritual gift. How about creative communication? And you're probably going to say, aha, maybe we have landed on one that um, is in Carmen's gift mixed because um, creative communication um, is people who are gifted in proclamation or instruction. It's also people who sing and make music. It's this supernatural ability given by God to communicate God's character and God's ways through all kinds of verbal and artistic expression. And so effective communicators hopefully have this spiritual gift of creative communication. Are you a songwriter? Do you lead worship? Do you love to sing to the glory of God and do other people feel drawn into worship when you do that? Um, this takes various forms, and I think it is under underrated and under underappreciated underappreciated mm-hmm. um, in terms of our history. 
because we have not often thought of artistic expressions as really exalting God. But think of the people who made the stained glass windows or built cathedrals. Um, there's a there's an act there that is part craftsmanship and part creative communication. Think of David dancing before the Lord or Jesus teaching through parables. Um, art is for the glory of God. And, uh, and I don't want us to lose sight of the artistic expression as a part of this conversation. The last gift we're going to talk about um, today, well, maybe we'll talk about two more. Um, the next one is discernment. And in here, we're talking about how you discriminate, how you thoughtfully separate, how you distinguish between, how you weigh things in the balance and decide between that which is good and that which is not good. It's a supernatural ability given by God to perceive whether or not um, something is of God or from God or whether or not it is of the world and of the flesh or of the demonic realm. Do you have the gift of discernment? And again, at some level, every Christian has the gift of discernment because every Christian is possessed of the Holy Spirit, and this is one of the works of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. But it's also um, a particular or specific gift of the Spirit. And so are you particularly gifted in this area of discernment? Can you Do you have a heightened sensitivity or an intuition to grasp people in situations? Are you able to identify deception? Um, Can you see falsehood um, or misinformation when it rears its ugly head? Uh, And so, you know, just I think there is a caution because I am one of these people. There's a caution for those of us um, who have this gift. I think we need to seek confirmation before we say what we're sensing. Um, We don't want to come off as critical or judgmental of others. And so we want to prayerfully engage in this, and we also want to test it uh, with other believers who also have the gift of discernment. So this is one of those that certainly needs to be um, amplified in community. All right, let's talk about one more today, and then we'll we'll talk about more of these tomorrow. Um, and again, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We are talking during this Christmas week about unwrapping the gift of Jesus by unwrapping the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So this gift um, is evangelism. Here are you... There's all kinds of places you could look in Scripture for this, but Ephesians 4, verse 11, highlights it specifically. And here we're talking about messengers or preachers of the gospel, those who bring good news. And again, it's the responsibility of each of us and all of us as the followers of Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, but it's also the specific gift given to some. You recognize this difference. If you um, know that, you know, you're responsible to share the good news, but it's hard for you, it's really difficult, then this may not be your spiritual gift. And I understand that. It doesn't make you um, any less responsible for communicating the gospel through the gifts God has given you. And so people come to see God and know God through Christians who are operating in the spirit of Christ and in their spiritual gifts, um, living out the character and the ways of God always and in all ways. But evangelism and those with the gift of it specifically are people who have the ability to communicate the gospel message to unbelievers so that they actually become followers of Jesus. Um, I'm thinking here about, um, you know, people who are able to engage with uh, non-believers in a way that non-believers can genuinely receive. You probably know whether or not non-believers accept or rebuff you. And people who have the gift of evangelism are not rebuffed by non-believers. They're strangely welcomed in. 
And so we want to talk, we want to talk about that. We want to talk about what that gift look, what that gift looks like and who is possessed of it in order that we might encourage them um, as they lead others to Jesus. So are you able to uh, proclaim the gospel in an authoritative way that draws other people to Jesus? Are you able to adapt your presentation of the gospel to connect um, with individuals that you meet along life's way? Um, Jesus uh, and Zacchaeus is a good story to look at here. Philip and the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8, good places to look in Scripture for where the gift of evangelism is operating in the life of a believer or Jesus himself. All right, um, we are going to continue our conversation about unwrapping the spiritual gifts of God in the person of Christ in our life this Christmas. So join me right back here um, tomorrow, first thing on Mornings with Carmen. We're going to share with you now some conversations that we have had in the past that we trust will be a gift to you during this season of Christmas. If I were to pause and ask you, what's your worldview? How do you look at things? Is there any chance that I could convince you today to operate out of a Christmas worldview? And I know you're going to say to yourself, I'm operating out of an Easter worldview. You know, back at Easter, Carmen, you told us we were going to be Easter people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely true. We got to be Easter people. Um, but right now, since Christmas was, you know, just a couple of days ago, I'm thinking that maybe we could pause here for just a moment and consider being Christmas people. We could operate out of a Christmas worldview. What would that look like? What, what, is it, what does it look like to operate out of a worldview that, that holds not only the possibility, but holds out the reality that God is? God is good and God is great. And God takes on human flesh to dwell among us. And God gives the gift of himself to a broken people. What does it look like to operate out of a Christmas worldview, to see things from God's perspective and to live into the reality of Christmas each and every day. We're going to talk worldview next with Elizabeth Urbanowitz. Just a reminder, this is a recorded conversation during this Christmas edition of Mornings with Carmen. All right, one little cleanup on aisle four. For those of you who were trying to um, to to sign up for the book giveaway on the resource page at myfaithradio.com, it looks like there's a little bit of a delay in the system. So if you just sit there for a second, um, the trending articles will eventually blink out and the form for filling out your information to enter the drawing for the resource will populate on the page. So just give it a minute. Take a deep breath and give it a minute. Again, if you um, uh, if you want to enter the drawing for the copies of Mothering by the Book that we're giving away, text the word "give" to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. And then when you get the when you get there to the page, just just take a deep breath and listen to my conversation with Elizabeth Banowitz while the page is taking time to update. So there you go. Hey, Elizabeth, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Carmen. 
Absolutely. All right. Remind us, what is Foundation Worldview and why do we need to be equipping our kids, even at younger and younger ages, um, with Christian worldview material? Yes. So Foundation Worldview is an organization that seeks to provide Christian adults, mainly parents, with the tools that they need to equip their kids to carefully evaluate every idea that they encounter, because we know that God never changes, His Word never changes, the truth of the gospel never changes, but what does change is the culture in which we find ourselves. And in this culture, our kids are exposed to so many different ideas. You know, even if we're very careful at monitoring, you know, how much screen time they have, they're still faced with so many competing ideas. And so these ideas can really take root in their hearts and their minds and just germinate beneath the surface. And a lot of times, you know, the questions, the doubts, the lies that they're believing don't really surface until they're in their teens, but they've been germinating below the surface for years. And so we want to make sure that we're equipping them, even at the youngest of ages, to always be asking themselves, okay, what is this idea that I've just heard? Is it true or is it not true? And how do I know that? Just so that we can prepare them to understand the truth of God and his word. So, yeah, I think that I had a conversation this past weekend with a woman who was talking about bamboo and that it takes like five years underground before you see Hmm. really what's going on. Um, And then it shoots up like crazy and multiplies like crazy. And I was thinking about that, um, you know, in anticipation of our conversation, like what we're doing between the years of like four and eight, um, mm-hmm. we may not see uh, anything above the surface until you know they're in they're in middle school or even high school. Um, but if we don't plant the right things from four to eight, and we we aren't helping them grow a really significant root system where they are deeply mm-hmm. rooted, um, not only in God's word but in God's worldview. Um, then what comes up and what's produced and what multiplies above the surface is going to be the things that the world plants in them and not us. Absolutely. Yeah. Talk with us about the um, Foundation Worldview's new early childhood curriculum. Yeah, so we just released an early childhood curriculum, which sometimes the word curriculum can sound very intimidating, but basically what it is, is it's a series of videos and activity sheets for children in that exact age range you were talking about, that four to eight range, where we just look at, okay, how has God designed the child mind to learn? And when kids are are eight and under, they really need a lot of body involvement. You know, they're very, you know, still working on their gross motor and their fine motor skills. And so we've just created a series of 25 videos that teach kids systematically what scripture teaches about big questions that any worldview has to answer. So we look at the question, what is truth? Who is God? How did life begin? Who am I? And how can I tell right from wrong? And we just systematically build a biblical understanding there. And, you know, I actually, I was listening to the segments before I came on in that segment where John Stone Street, you know, was talking about just the Mm -hmm. prevalence of transgender ideology in our culture. And we know that that is so true that even, you know, if we homeschool our kids or have them in a Christian school, that they're just going to be confronted with transgender ideology at some point in their life. You know, even uh, two days ago, I was flying on a plane and the man sitting next next to me, you know, actually he, he is bio was biologically male and it was very obvious because he was balding on the top, but he was wearing makeup, you know, and he had breasts and was wearing a dress and, you know, our kids are going to encounter this and we don't want to wait until they have encountered this before we teach them the truth of who they are and who God designed them to be. So if we can just do some very simple activities, like teaching them the difference between something that's true, that's objectively true, and something that's a subjective 
preference or feeling, then when we can have this conversation about, you know, sometimes people who are born a boy or born a girl on the inside, they feel like something different. And, you know, when that happens, what's the truth about who they are? And what how we do this is we just systematically teach them that truth is what is real. We play a lot of fun games where we'll give them, you know, silly sentences. And if a sentence we give them is true, they're supposed to jump up and spread out their arms and yell true. And if something is not true, they're supposed to cross their arms in an X and say not true. And then if something's a feeling, they're supposed to hug themselves and say feeling. You know, so we just do this with lots of silly sentences like puppies are baby dogs or puppies run on the ceiling or puppies are fun and just get them to think about the difference between truth and feelings. And then later when Mm. we introduce the concept of humans as image bearers and that God created boy and girl image bearers, we talk about, okay, being a girl image bearer, is that a truth or is that a feeling? You know, being a boy image bearer, is that a truth or is that a feeling? And if we can just, you know, introduce these concepts early on and teach them to kids in games that they love to play, you know, we can really start setting up these different categories. So then when we need to talk about these more serious concepts in life, they already have a framework through which to filter those ideas. All right. It looks like if people log on to foundationworldview.com, they can get a little taste of of this, um, equipping young minds to understand objective truth. It looks like there's three lessons that people can check out. You can check out the video. You can check out the activity sheets and the songs. And then there's obviously a way to um, to enter into the full experience and how you could do that as an individual family in your home um, or how you could um, do this with your entire church. So lots of ways to engage with this foundationworldview.com. Um, Elizabeth, you you went through the questions, the big questions pretty quickly. And my guess is that it would help us to slow down slightly and consider mm-hmm. those. So what's um what what is addressed um in this particular foundation worldview curriculum for um you know for early childhood? Yes. So the topics that I went through before, the first one is just the concept of truth. And kind of like I outlined before, we just want to equip our little ones to understand what's the difference of between something that's objectively true, meaning it's not controlled by my feelings versus my feelings, which are you know personal and subjective. They're going to change from person to person to person. And so we just want to establish that truth is objective. It's outside of us. Our feelings can't control it. Then after that, we look at the question, who is God? And we just want to lay the foundation for a basic understanding of some of the attributes of God and how he differs from the objects of worship in other religions or other worldviews. So we cover the concept, you know, first that God is three in one. We want kids to understand that God is triune because this makes God different than the presentation of any other God or object of worship in any worldview. We also talk about God being spirit, that that means we can't see him physically, but we can still know he's real. So we have the kids, you know, think through other things that are not physical, but we still know are real things like love or kindness or fairness. Um, Then we look at God being the creator and how God has created everything and he is near his creation, but he is not part of his creation. Like God is not a tree. God is not a rock. God is not an animal. So just establishing some of the basic truths about who God is. After that, we look at the concept of life and how life began. And we play a whole bunch of games that help the little ones understand that when we look at science, science actually points to a designer because of 
all the information that we find in life. So we want to help these little ones see, oh my goodness, when we look at science, science actually points to God so that we're establishing very early, you know, that science and faith are not at odds. Then after that, we look at the question, who am I, or what does it mean to be human? And we look at specifically at Genesis 127 that talks about humans being God's image bearers, being male and female. And so we'll do fun activities, like we'll show them uh, pictures of people of all different, you know, ages and stages and ethnicities and abilities or disabilities. And every time they see a human, they're supposed to jump up and say image bearer, just so that they understand that every single human bears the image of God. Then we get into God made boy image bearers and girl image bearers. And we'll give them an example where we'll tell that, tell them about a certain image bearer. You know, we'll say like, John has a boy's body, you know, John loves art and painting and hanging out with his best friend, Jasmine, you know, is John a girl image bearer or a boy image bearer? That's right. He's a boy image bearer because he has a boy's body. You know, it doesn't matter what he likes or doesn't like, or is talented at or not talented at, or who his friends are, you know, our, our, biology tells us whether we're a boy or a girl. Then after that, we look at the question, how can we tell right from wrong? And we look at, you know, are right or wrong truths or are they feelings? And then we talk about how right and wrong are truths, that there are certain things that we all inherently know are the right thing to do and all things we all know are the wrong thing to do. And then we talk about, well, why do we all do the wrong things sometimes? We talk about how all humans miss the mark, all humans sin. We dive mm -hmm. into the gospel about how Jesus hit the mark for us. And then, you know, once we're reconciled to God, we look to God's word to discern what is right and what is wrong. And so these are just, you know, basic foundational questions that if we can give our little ones a solid understanding of how scripture answers these, we can continue the conversation. We can continue playing games. And whenever we encounter something in culture, we can dialogue with them, you know, and, and anchor it back to God's word and what he is so clearly mm. laid out in scripture. I love it. It's so good. We're going to continue our conversation with Elizabeth Urbanowitz in just a moment. We're talking about foundation worldviews, new Early Childhood Worldview Curriculum. You can check it all out at foundationworldview.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible gift to Faith Radio before the year ends. You can give now by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or join the support team at myfaithradio.com. Thanks a lot. What the voice truth tells me a different story. Luke's on the text line at 877-933-2484, and uh, he thinks that the uh, Foundation Worldview New Early Childhood Worldview Curriculum should be provided to every parent of every newborn at every hospital in the country. So there you go. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty high praise. Um, yeah, we don't know how to do this. We we like we did not experience this when we were kids. We didn't we did not inhabit the same world that our children are being born into or our grandchildren. Um, and so Elizabeth Urbanowitz is here today, um, but she's always available. You can connect with her through the foundationworldview.com website. Um, she's done tons of on-air interviews, so there are lots of videos that, where you can listen and watch uh, Elizabeth talk uh, across a range of topics and subjects. Today, we're specifically honing in 
on um, a, a curriculum related to early childhood. But there is um, there's also a studying the Bible curriculum for children ages eight to twelve. Um, there's just a lot of stuff. The and then the the foundational um, foundation worldview curriculum is available as well. So all of it at foundationworldview.com. Elizabeth, um, when we think about the challenges that parents and grandparents face. So let's talk just for a moment to grandparents whose mm-hmm. children are not necessarily focused on raising their children in the faith or not necessarily too, con- too concerned that their children are being catechized by the culture. Um, I'm thinking that this early childhood wor- worldview curriculum, because it's video-based, um, is something that a grandparent could subscribe to and use with their grandchild, you know, in those spaces and on those occasions when they have time together. Absolutely. You know, that's that's our heart behind this is that we want to make this as easy as possible for whoever is implementing this. And we do have many grandparents that choose to use our materials and implement them in their home with their grandchildren. But one thing we always just caution grandparents with is, you know, keeping that relationship open and honest between the um, the grandparent and then their child, you know, before they mm-hmm. get to their grandchildren, that we always encourage grandparents, you know, to ask the parents, you know, for permission to do this with their, their grandchildren, because, you know, that's the parents that God has given that primary responsibility. And so we do recommend that they do that, that they ask their, you know, their children, hey, are you okay if I do this series with your kids? You know, just talk about, we want to, we want to help equip them to understand what is true. And then even if, you know, the, the parents of the children say no, one thing that we recommend then for grandparents is that they just get the series for themselves and go through it themselves because there's games in there, you know, that they can play with their grandkids in the car. Everything that we do in these curriculums, I first test out at the, with the kids that God has placed in my care, you know, so there's children at my church, you know, that when they'll come over my house and we're driving in the car, they'll say, oh, Miss Elizabeth, can we play the truth and feelings game? You know, so they've just turned it into fun activities. So there's so many things that grandparents can just learn, you know, from this series and then think through, okay, how can I implement this with my grandchildren? Okay. So we're in the car together right now and I'm the little kid uh, in the back seat, and I say, Miss Elizabeth, can we play the truth or feelings game? Mm-hmm. What, what happens yes. next? Then I say, absolutely. <laughs> and I just remind them kind of like I explained before, if I give you a sentence that's true, I want you to open your arms wide and shout true. And mm. if I give you a sentence that's not true, you cross your arms into an X and say not true. And if I give you a sentence that's a feeling, you just hug yourself and say feeling. Now, if you're not going through the curriculum with your grandkids, first just introduce true versus not true. Because especially if you're working with a four or five-year-old, giving them those three categories the first time is too much. So just First, start working on Mm -hmm. true versus not true. And then just, I mean, look around as you're driving and think about, you know, like trees are usually green, you know, Um, just sentences that you know are true. Um, You can just look around you in the car to get those sentences and then sentences that are silly that will make the kids laugh, you know, um, things like, you know, birds usually swim in the bottom of the sea and things that are very obviously not true and just play that. You can even have them think of some sentences. Um, They might enjoy that. And then after you've played the just true versus is not true for a few times, then talk about feelings, you know, that feelings are inside of us and they're going to change. You can have your grandkids, you know, make a happy face or a sad face, you know, or a surprised face, and then give them some feeling sentences like, um, swing sets are the best or chocolate chip cookies are delicious and just have them practice then recognizing truth versus feeling. So play that a few times, truth versus feeling. And then after you've played that a few times, then bring it all together and you can play true, not true and feeling. And they'll, 
most kids that I've worked on this with, they just love it. And they think it's kind of like that, you know, like I'm thinking of an animal game or I spy and it can just become a part of your, you know, everyday car rides. And pretty soon they start to think through this in everyday conversations. So you'll be having a conversation and they'll say, oh, but grandma, that's just a feeling. And then you're like, yes, it's working. <laughs> oh, I, I love that. I also love just the physical, um, you know, giving them a physical thing to do and the posture of being open to the truth, arms wide open, and the posture of resisting that which is not true by, you know, putting that putting that X over my chest. Like, I feel like even that, the physical equipping is happening as well. I just, I mean, you know me, I'm such a fan. So Elizabeth, thank you so much for this latest um, addition, this latest version of the Foundation Worldview curriculum, specifically for our little ones. You guys can connect with Elizabeth and everything we've talked about today and so much more at foundationworldview.com. Elizabeth, blessings upon you and thank you again for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on today, Carmen. Yeah, I just love it. I'm a huge fan. All right, Elizabeth Urbanowitz, you can find her at foundationworldview.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Hey, thank you again so much for including me in your Christmas week and your Christmas considerations. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You've been listening to a special edition of Mornings with Carmen during this Christmas week. We've got another hour together next. We're going to um we're going to talk a little bit about what it means for our lives to be a living demonstration of the gospel. Just pause for a moment and think about that. How are you and I going to make the gospel visible, beautiful and substantial in the lives of one another? In order to do that, in order to be effective kingdom ambassadors, we got to actually know the king and we got to know what the kingdom is like. So what is the kingdom of heaven like? More on that in the hour up next. Thank you so much for listening to this hour of Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. You can make your year-end gift today at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.